0: You are listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church podcast. The following sermon was recorded by the Reverend Carrie Lucas on September 30th, 2018. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: If you please pray with me. Lord, help us to come to you, to be people who confess our sins, and to beg for your mercy. Help us to remember our life is but a breath, and to be about your kingdom work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Before I talk anything about this scripture, I would like to say that I have missed you all very, very much. Um, You have been beyond gracious as we have adjusted to a family of eight. And as I have um, struggled to wrangle six children by myself every morning, you have been wonderful, but we have missed you. And one of our girls said to me last night, mama, you get to have your dream tomorrow. And I said, what's that? And she said, you get to see the people at the 8 o'clock service. They said, No know it's your dream, you want to see everybody. And so she's right, it has, been, um, it has been hard to be away and hard to take care of everybody and to miss you all. So thank you for being so gracious to me and to our family during this whole big, long, lovely season of adding another human being into our family. So thank you. Okay, so we're going to do, today we're going to jump in and look at the epistle reading today of the book of James. So, if you want to you have your scripture your bibles in the pew if you want to open up the james passage okay so this portion of the scripture we looked at today is coming right on the heels of teachings about um, taming our tongue about how to have wisdom and about submitting ourselves to god and this passage in particular is um is for all of us i think no matter how long or short of a time you've been a Christian, or whether you know Jesus or not. James calls us to this really holy life by submitting ourselves to God. Submission is this choice, it's a calling that's given to each one of us, for those of us who have fallen in love with Jesus and given our hearts to Him. To love God is to give our whole lives to Him, and it's to choose to lean into our Savior. The Greek word that is used today um, in this passage is speaking of a discarding or a throwing off of our old self. To love Jesus is to turn away from our sin in our lives and to be quick to see. um, To see what the things are in our life that are good and the things that need to be thrown away. How many times in our own life um, do we brush aside with quick and what appears to be very sensible responses to our own sin in our own life. Such as, I was only speeding to get to church on time. I can't be late. Maybe that's me actually saying that. If you've ever seen me in Aldi or in a grocery store, you know what I mean. I'm like tearing through the store with six kids running behind me um, saying, you're going so fast. And I'm careening around corners and kind of unaware of other people, mainly because it's, very overwhelming to be in a grocery store with six children. Um, but we use excuses in our own life to sort of brush off some of the sin. Maybe I need to slow down. Maybe God wants us to see some things in our life is not okay. Or maybe there's a person that is rude to you and you feel a need to honk your horn or shake your hand at them. Or maybe you say, it's not my fault that she was in the way or he was in the way. They got what they, what they should have. Each and every one of us sins with our eyes, with our hands, with our tongues, with our minds. And in our family, we talk a lot about learning how to bend our knee to Jesus. Sin kind of keeps us um, pulled back. It keeps us pulled back and prideful, and it refuses to allow us to come close to Jesus When we submit ourselves, it's like the bending of the knee of our heart. And it's to draw us near to the Lord. And no one can be responsible for our own sins, but ourselves. So if you're a parent out there, you are not responsible for your children's sins. You do not have to carry them as your own, but rather you need to show them the way and the place for them to set them down. Submission to Jesus and the bending of the knee to Jesus is something that brings great love and grace. James talks about resisting the devil, and I have to say that that's probably one of the most useful things that we can focus on in our life. The Greek word for Satan there is referring to one who separates us from man they separates God from man and Jesus is saying that the Christian should do all that they can to not be separated from God and it's calling us to cleave to him and to not let go as Christians we should always be looking for sin patterns in our own lives do we judge people do we get angry Do we look down on others or misuse our hands or our eyes? Sin is sin, and it all matters to God. And I think it's often, for a lot of us who have been Christians for a long time, it's often those really little sin patterns that go on and on inside of ourselves that we repeat over and over again. And all these sins can separate us from God and keep us from hearing Him and from drawing near to Him. Jesus promises in his word to always have a way and to always leave a way out for us to flee from our sins. Instead of succumbing to Satan's desire to separate us from God, we should draw near to him. James promises graciously, and he responds by drawing near to us in turn. James is not talking about salvation in this passage, but he's rather Talking about a repentance of those who are already Christians, for those who sincerely repent and turn to God, will find Him, and He's like the father of the prodigal son, who's like eager to have us come back, eager to have his erring children, and God will never abandon you, but He'll rather He'll rejoice over you, and He also promises something that I think is so often forgotten in this world. He promises victory, victory over our sins, and to be free from this bondage that binds us up in our lives. Whatever power of Satan has in your life, whether it's that soft, subtle voice that tells you you're not good enough or that your life doesn't matter, or whether it's a loud voice that tells you to do something that you know is not right, Satan's power cannot be, Christ can overcome that love. He can, With his love, with his redemption, he can overcome all of that power from Satan. Jesus is strong enough to break the bonds of death that we're all entangled in. Jesus is strong enough to overcome the darkness that we might feel in our hearts, in our lives, or in our minds. Jesus has won the victory over Satan, and you are his, and he is yours. And you're not alone in the one, for the one who created the heavens and the earth is the one who desires to stand next to you and to be with you. When we come near to God, he promises to come near to us. And all of us have either big or really um, or little ways and issues in which how we receive love. We all have different ways in which um, we have not felt loved or not cared for or ways in which we've been hurt from others. And often we take these feelings and these emotions and we transfer them into our interactions with God. However, it's really important to remember that God is a good and loving Father. He does not disappoint. He does not leave us when we call upon Him. God will always, always long to hear you. And He will always long to see your face turned to Him. And He desires to see you live a whole life full of good things. James implores us to wash our hands and to purify our hearts. And reminding us that we have this active role in the confession of our sins. Confessing our sins can be seriously awkward at first. However, I encourage you to do it over and over again. As you go to others, and as you confess your sin to them, and as you seek reconciliation, it gets easier and easier to do. In the really early years of our marriage um, and ministry as priests, Chris and I, used to trek out to a seminary, and we meet with a priest for confession. We would take turns holding babies and going to confession. And it was in those really early years that I saw God break through my own judgment of others. When you're a new parent and you're trying to figure out how to live your life and what you're doing, it's easy to look at other people and to judge their choices, to look down on them to say, well, I'm going to do it this way. And you do it to try and make choices But it's wrong and it's sinful. And this confessing our sins over and over again took and broke in both of us the sense of judgment of how other people choose to live. Confession has the power to break down sins in our life that keep us from God. James next talks about the men of a double mind and he translates that word um, disochos, dyso, psychos, as two-souled, which James earlier used to characterize the person whose faith is marked by doubting and instability. In the present context, that means the term brings forcibly <coughs> to mind the doubleness of the Christian who seeks to become a friend of the world. God In the world, or the kingdom of Christ, in the kingdom of Satan, and the age to come, and in this evil age, the Christian is pulled back and forth between them. To allow the world to entice us away from total, single-minded allegiance to God is to become people who are divided in our loyalties, are double-minded and spiritually unstable. In all that you do throughout your life you always need to be asking God how might he be glorified in your work if you work in a company or a job or if you care for your parents or if you care for children how can you be living a life of single-mindedness how can you have a kingdom focus in your life if you're retired How can you invest your time into this kingdom work with a kingdom focus and acknowledge your need for God? James speaks of mourning and wailing and gloom in regards to our lives. James is not trying to be a killjoy. He is not trying to deny us a place for laughter and joy in the Christian life. But what he's talking about here is laughter in the Old Testament sense. A scornful laughter of the fool. Or one who blithely refuses to take their sin seriously. It's the mark of the one who prospers in this world without regard to the world to come. Even the committed Christian can slip into a casual attitude towards their own sin. Perhaps presuming a little too much on God's forgiving and merciful nature. And it is to all such people that James issues his plea, his plea for a radical, thoroughgoing repentance, on and on again. And only such repentance can produce true Christian joy and the joy that overflows from the reality that our sins have been forgiven. And we've been made clean over and over again. And it's easy to bend our knee. It's easy to give our heart when we remember how good he is, how kind he is, how much he's quick to forgive us. James talks about humbling ourselves before the Lord. And this means to recognize our own spiritual poverty, to acknowledge our desperate need for God's help. And to submit to his commanding will for our lives god's will is good for you god has a plan for your life and he wants you to lean into him and to trust him for your present life right now and for your future it's when we truly give of ourselves to the work of christ that seeing our brokenness confessing our sins and receiving his mercy because I'm so tangible and real. The early church used to use this saying about humbling yourselves before the Lord in order to remember who they were. It expresses the fundamentally important principle that the enjoyment of a spiritual vitality and victory comes not through our own independent effort of our own, but through complete independence on the Lord. To try and exalt ourselves by relying on our own abilities or our status or our money only brings about failure and condemnation. God humbles us. Speaking negatively about someone or judging others or deciding how they should be dealt with It's not our place. God is this one who sees the heart of all of us and it's his place to go about judgment and forgiveness as he sees fit. I don't know about you, but every time I turn on the news and I hear of all these horrible things that are going on in the world around us, in our church, in the world and everything else, it's so easy to want to decide what should happen to someone and how it should happen. But it's only for God alone. I think God wants us in this passage to keep our eyes on our own souls to quickly confess our own brokenness over and over again and to seek restoration in the world around us. James continues in this passage today about boasting for tomorrow. And he's challenging those of us who love to know what tomorrow will hold. I don't know if I mean. And he is challenging those who are seeking to find assurance in their future business and their future plans of their life. I love planning. I love scheduling and I love goal setting for the future. And a while back, I get really excited around, you know, January. I'm like, this goals. And I went to Chris and said, we need a five-year plan. And he said, what? And I said, we need a five-year plan for our life. We need to know, like, I wanted this, like, document that would, like, you know, say where we were going and what we were doing and what our plans and our goals were. And God began to challenge my own heart over and over again. He began to say, where are you putting your trust? And did I want to know my future? Why did I want to know it so bad? And could I actually trust him with my own life? The scripture today says to this what is your life you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes our lives are not forever when i have to explain this concept to a tiny child who is two or three and they say well i'll live till i'm old 80 or 90 and i have to look them in the face and say no you don't know mama doesn't even know if i'm going to be able to be here to raise you to an adult I beg God for it, but I don't know. And watching these little kids try to comprehend that they are going to die, and they don't know when. It could be a long life or a short life. That has been an amazing experience as a parent, to be aware of my own frailty, my own um, mislikeness, right? We're here, and then we're gone. We'll all die, and we do not know when God is going to call us home. Illness, accidental death, or the return of Christ could cut short our lives just as quickly as the morning sun comes and dissipates the mist or as the wind shifts smoke. The older I get, the more I realize how very, very fast life goes and what a sweet gift it is every day. Give your life to the things that will last and the soul of another person What we do with our breath matters greatly to God. Who we invest our lives in to matter greatly to God. It's the Lord's will that is best for our lives. And it's walking in his will and trusting in his good plan that matter. God longs to clean your heart and your mind and your soul. God longs to wash you white as snow. And you greatly matter to God. He sees you. He hears you. And you're not alone. So may you go into this week seeking God in your daily lives. Ask him what needs to change in your heart, in your life. Ask him what you need to confess. And be quick with your confession. Offer it to God, knowing that he's good. He's not out there and say, aha, I knew it. But rather, he's there to be this father who delights in seeing your face. He's this father who wants to bless you, who wants you to feel love and peace and joy and trust him for the plan in your life. Try to give him more and more of your plans more of the desires of your heart. For he has good things to put in your hands and in your life. So to God be glory now and forever. Amen.
0: This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, Please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.